When I finished up morning meeting, I had my kids transition to the next activity and I went to go talk to her. Well, she said, wow, you're really good at cell. And I was like, huh, yeah, thanks. I had no idea what it was. And I was thinking to myself, what is cell? What does that mean? So like any good teacher, I did what you would typically do. I Googled it. Hey, Impact Maker. I'm Helena, the creator of the Present Teacher Podcast. And in each episode, I'm going to help you live the life you are made for through self-care, social-emotional learning, and classroom management. You know that impact you are after when you first started teaching? Well, we're going to make it happen here. I still remember the first time I heard a teacher talk about social-emotional learning. You see, it was my first year teaching as a kindergarten teacher in a small town in New Mexico. I was teaching my little ones during morning meeting, and we were talking about a problem I noticed the day before. I had noticed that the kids were having a really hard time sharing their crayons and pencils and just some of the manipulatives we were using during center's time. So during morning meeting, I talked about what I was seeing and maybe some choices we can make to fix it. Well, while I was having this conversation with my kindergartners, my mentor teacher sat down at one of the tables to listen. When I finished up morning meeting, I had my kids transition to the next activity and I went to go talk to her. Well, she said, wow, you're really good at cell. And I was like, huh, yeah, thanks. I had no idea what it was. And I was thinking to myself, what is cell? What does that mean? So like any good teacher, I did what you would typically do. I Googled it. You see, this was before social emotional learning was a big thing. I hadn't been taught it or had a program that incorporated it like in my college programs. So it was new. So I looked it up on Google and I thought, okay, cool. Thoughts and feelings. I got it. I can incorporate this into my day. But as time went on, I realized it's much more than that. You see, there's so much more to social-emotional learning than just thoughts and feelings. So for all of those teachers out there that are wondering, what is social-emotional learning? And why is it important? And how can I incorporate it into my classroom? Then this episode is for you. So if you are like me, then grab a cup of chai and let's get started. Now, you might be wondering, what is social-emotional learning? You might have heard that social-emotional learning is a process of developing and using social skills and emotional skills. But you see, it's a lot more than that. You see, social-emotional learning is a method that helps all children better comprehend their feelings, thoughts, and emotions, and to understand them in themselves and in others. It's the ability for a child to recognize their feelings and comprehend why they're feeling that way and what the next step is, or recognize in another student and how they can help or what they should do next. But I would be lying to you if this was the end of our conversation about social-emotional learning. You see, it's so much more than that. There are actually five components of social-emotional learning. The first one is self-awareness. You see, self-awareness is the ability to understand and identify one's thoughts, feelings, emotions, strengths, and weaknesses, and how that impacts your behavior or in someone else's. So let me give you an example. 
Let's say a child walks into your classroom and they're crying. They're crying because they are exhausted because they didn't get any sleep last night because, I don't know, they were busy watching TV, something happened. You see, when a child is able to identify that they are upset and why, because they are tired and they're able to tell you that, that is self-awareness. It's that ability to identify why they are acting or reacting the way they are and why that emotion is there. Which brings me to component number two of social-emotional learning, which is self-management. Self-management is taking ownership or control of your thoughts, feelings, emotions in a way that moves you closer to your goals or where you want to be. So, for example, let's say a child recognizes that they are upset about being tired. And so they choose a breathing technique to regulate their emotions that you taught them earlier. This is self-management. They used self-awareness to identify how they were feeling and why. Then they chose a self-management skill of regulating their emotions. The third component of social-emotional learning is social awareness. Social awareness is putting yourself in other people's shoes with empathy and in an ethical way. So, for example, let's say we have a child who sees another child crying at the playground. They go up and ask them, why are you crying? The child says, I have no one to play with. In that moment, the child understands that that person is upset and they realize how that would make them feel. So, they invite him to play with them. You see, this child was able to use social awareness to identify that there was something upsetting the other child. They were also able to use a response of why that child was upset in the first place to invite them to play so they felt included. The next component of social-emotional learning is relationship skills. Relationship skills are the ability to build and maintain healthy relationships with people. So let's say one person wants to play with the same toy you have during stations. Now, you could do two options. You could fight over the same toy, or you can ask yourself, how can we make this a win-win for everyone? You see, identifying the problem and being able to problem solve is one of the key aspects of relationship skills. It's that ability to want to relate to one another and build and maintain that healthy relationship. So one way they can make this a win-win is to play rock, paper, scissors, or maybe they take turns. Either way, that leads to my next component of social-emotional learning, which is responsible decision-making. Responsible decision-making is choosing your next actions based on what is right or in an ethical way, based on what you've learned, your behavior, safety, social norms, etc. So let's go back to the same situation. You're, during, you're playing during stations with blocks. You want to play with the same toy that another kid wants to play with. And you might be wondering, how can we make this a win-win for everyone? Well, maybe you let the child play with it first, and then you get a turn after. Or maybe you play rock, paper, scissors. This is a great example of what responsible decision-making looks like. Now, you might be wondering, Helena, why does this matter? Why does this matter to me as a teacher? Well, you see, there are many benefits to incorporating social-emotional learning into the classroom. For example, when students are incorporating social-emotional learning on a daily basis, they are able to build stronger relationships with their peers, parents, family, and with you. 
But relationships isn't the only reason why social-emotional learning is important. When you incorporate social-emotional learning into the classroom, it leads to better performance academically. In fact, in a study, they found that programs that incorporate social-emotional learning on a daily basis, students that participated improved 11 percentile points when it came to their IQ. On the same note, 27% of those students improved academically at the end of the program. But that's not the only benefit to social-emotional learning, and here's the last reason why. And to be honest, I'm really passionate about this. It reduces anxiety and depression. Children are able to identify and regulate their emotions and be aware of how they're feeling and how to react accordingly. And this is a skill that's not only going to impact them in the short term, but long term as well. Studies have shown that those programs that incorporate social-emotional learning lead to 18-year-olds that are very healthy and comprehensive in their well-being and in their wellness. But here's the thing. It's not taught individually. You're not going to find common core standards on social-emotional learning. You might have social-emotional learning time, but it's not incorporated into your day like math or reading or writing. So with that in mind, here are some ways to incorporate social-emotional learning into the classroom starting right now. Starting with my one and only good and only true love, which is read-alouds. You know as a kindergarten teacher, I had to put this in here. Read-alouds are amazing. So for example, I did this for my kids. I actually did this with my second graders this year. But I noticed that some of my kids were having a hard time including everyone during recess. So I went ahead and read the story Invisible Boy. So for those of you that are not familiar with Invisible Boy, it's all about this boy who is invisible and as people start inviting him to be a part of their group and be their friend, he becomes more and more visible. And during the read aloud, I talked about how I asked my students have if they've ever felt invisible and how does it feel like and what does it look like when someone else is not invited or included. And then we talked about how we can invite others to play along too. So this is one way how read-alouds are just amazing in the classroom. I guarantee if you are having a problem in the classroom, there's a book that fits the problem that you would like to problem solve in your classroom. So read-alouds is the number one way to incorporate social-emotional learning into the classroom. Number two, I guarantee half of you are already doing this, if not all, but daily greetings for you and your students. So you might be doing this already, but daily greetings for your students. So I know most of you are doing this already, but you can greet your students at the door, and don't worry, you can do it in a COVID-safe way. But you see, it doesn't have to stop there. You can always have students greet each other and build those relationship skills with each other. And there's some great ways to do this. For example, you can have this during morning meeting time or do a song where you greet each person during the song. There's a lot of safe ways to go about this these days. The third way to incorporate social-emotional learning into the classroom is to have a class meeting with a problem-solve question. So like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast 
episode, I incorporated a problem-solving scenario in my morning meeting where we talked about a problem I had been seeing lately that we could solve together. And I had my students turn and talk and discuss how can we solve this problem together. And this is a great way to not only tell the students how to fix it, but to have them participate and be a part of it too. And we all know that if you have students participate, the more you have them participate in the lesson, the more likely they are to follow through. So incorporating a problem of the day or discussing a problem you've been seeing or a scenario you've been seeing the, follow the previous day is a great way to incorporate social emotional learning into the classroom. The fourth way to incorporate social emotional learning into the classroom is to help your students identify their emotions and feelings. So this isn't for just the primary students. I've seen upper grades do this as well. But you can always have charts, flashcards, or emojis that represent the different emotions and help kids identify how they're feeling and then help them with the next step, which is identifying why. All of these are a great way to incorporate social emotional learning into the classroom. It helps students become self-aware of how they are feeling and their thoughts and actions and why. The fifth and final way for this episode that I have for incorporating social emotional learning into the classroom is to help facilitate problem solving into the classroom. I know as teachers we're busy and it's hard to just let students work through their problems. However, I like to act like a fly on the wall when it comes to my students and their problems in the classroom. So, for example, if I have two students that are arguing about something, I like to pull them aside and we have a discussion. And during this, I'm not answering for either student. I'm letting them discuss their thoughts and feelings. So this is something you can incorporate today. The first thing is I have each person share what happened and how that made them feel without the other person interfering. So we have a rule that this person talks and we cannot interrupt their thinking or their thoughts. And the same goes for the other person. The next part is discussing how that made us feel. Did that make us feel sad, angry, upset, frustrated? So really helping students with that self-awareness and identifying where that emotion or their feelings are to help be aware and where the next steps can be. The next step is apologizing. So we talk about how we can apologize and say, I'm sorry for blank, and we can apologize for hurting each other's feelings, etc. These are just examples. But after you have your kids apologize, you can come up with the next step. How can we fix it? What can we do in the future to prevent this from happening? So again, to review my steps for facilitating problem solving in the classroom, number one, have each person share without the other person interfering. Step number two, discuss feelings. Step number three, apologize. And step number four, how can we fix this? How can we make sure this doesn't happen in the future? And I'm just gonna tell you right now, this is absolutely amazing. This will take a couple tries and you might have have to facilitate it a couple times, but just six months into this year, my kids have a hang of it and they are already going through this process without me and I don't have to do a thing. In fact, half the time they fix the problems without me there. So helping students take ownership of their thoughts and feelings and 
being able to problem solve with each other is an amazing skill that will pay off in the long term. With that being said, I know I didn't want to overload you with a bunch of ways to incorporate social emotional learning into the classroom, but if you would like more ideas on how you can incorporate social emotional learning into the classroom today, I have a free guide that you can download right now for more ideas on how you can incorporate social emotional learning into your classroom starting today. So with that being said, I hoped this helped. I hope you found value in this and you have some tips and tricks you can incorporate today into your classroom. I know as a new teacher, I really wish I had known more about social emotional learning. That's why I'm so passionate about letting other people and other teachers know what it is and how you can make it simple and actionable and something tangible you can do in your classroom. So with that being said, I hope you have a wonderful day. Know that we are stronger together and I will see you in the next episode. Talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, I would love it if you took a screenshot and tagged me on Instagram at the present teacher. Also, make sure to subscribe to get notified each time a new episode comes out. And if you have a minute, leave a review to let me know what you thought. I love hearing from you. Keep dreaming and remember, we are stronger together.